You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network as we continue our exclusive coverage of Third Watch, the greatest television show in the history of television. We're into the 18th episode of the first season, entitled Men. Uh, first aired on April 17th, 2000, directed by Guy Norman B and written by Lance Gentile. It's a pleasure to be here, excited to talk about this. My name is Ben and I'm so hot tonight, I amaze myself. Hello and it's Brandy again and you got a screwdriver in your head. <laughs> I was going to go with that one, but then I thought, no, I, I like I like the Bosco quote. So. <laughs> There you go. One of the funniest uh, random scenes that you have, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> literally there for no reason than to make you laugh, and I think it succeeds in doing so. I do like random patient scenes where it's just, again, there's no purpose to them, but um, it's just it's just a bit of funny, because, I mean, you know, it's, through all the serious stuff that obviously these people do deal with, uh, you know, they'll, have, they'll come across some silly little things like that, but... Um, yeah, this is this is an interesting episode. Obviously, we've come off the back of Ohio, my my favorite, well, one of my favorite episodes of Third Watch of all time, and we kind of go back into our stock standard Third Watch one here, don't we? Essentially, we get a few loose ends tied up with some Candyman. We uh, get um, a few other bits and pieces here with Nicole, with Bosco, and um, we obviously get a little bit of um, Yokus and her past as well. I mean, it's it's a, it's an interesting episode. This one. We forgot the candy. Mm, I know, right? Candy. I Where, like, where's candy gone? There he is. We just forgot our candy. <laughs> but, um, no, it's an interesting one. I mean, it, like you said, it has its serious moments and it has those random scenes. It was a very, I didn't see it coming. I actually forgot about this scene until I watched the episode. But I'm excited. I just wish I had some candy to watch this episode. <laughs> yes. And you want some candy. <laughs> the, the one thing that I will question with this episode, and like I, I feel we don't talk about it as much as we probably should, uh, the names of the episodes sometimes can seem very random to me. And sometimes they're just thrown in there just with like a brief little quote. Like we saw that obviously with the last episode just called Ohio because it was about that story that Kim was telling. And, uh, you know, it kind of fits in well with it. I struggle yeah. to find where, I mean... Like, men, okay, we get a bit of gruff menness at the end. Um, but, I mean, this to me isn't really a, an episode which is, like, all about purely men, if you know what I mean. Like, do you, can you put in an argument here to why this episode is just called Men? I was actually, I really, I don't think I can, because I was looking for the mention of it or, like, the meaning of it. The mm. whole episode just didn't really find anything that made it men. I, the only thing I can think of was, like, just... Doc and his situation in this episode and with his father, but True. I don't know. I just, yeah, I just who knows? Maybe the the bond between men, father and son. I don't. That's that's what I can come up with. Right that's now. probably a good good point. I mean, we kind of get that line, don't we, from Doc when he says, you know, he's talking to his father and why weren't we close? And he's like, you know, I'm I'm not your friend. I'm your father. And I mean, that that's probably that could be a good one, or maybe it's just you know you've got the battle between uh, Davis and Candyman. I'm not too sure, but. Maybe if any of our listeners uh, want to be able to shoot us in anything, um, and just also uh, we we talked a few episodes back, we got a we got a bit of a listener question, a bit of a comment. Um, we did get another one too, actually, which um, I am going to find for you. I'm going to do this now rather than the end of the episode because I think it was more related to uh, our Ohio episode, and um, we got this sort of in preparation for that episode, but we hadn't actually uh, we had recorded it. 
um, at that point. And I'm stretching this out slightly because I'm just trying to find this uh, message here. Um, it's from one of, the, one of the members of the Third Watch fans groups, uh, Dorville Stewart. Now, Dorville, we're hoping Dorville actually might become a part of this show moving into Season 2 because Dorville's expressed a bit of an interest of joining in and had a bit of a talk with him. And he, he seems very keen and very interested. So we might try and see if we can get him on the show at some point in the future to discuss this. But um, this is Dorville's uh, message that he said. And again, I thought I'd get this over and done with the time with Ohio just before we get into this episode. He says, hey there, Ben. Hey, Dorville. Uh, I don't know if you and Brandy have already recorded your discussion of the Ohio episode, but in case you haven't, you know the part where Carlos is first asking Doc, Kim, and Bobby about their worst calls. I don't remember the exact exchange off the top of my head. Carlos saying, nothing stays with us. Doc responds with, sure, it stays with us, but that doesn't mean you go around talking about it just to pass the time, put it inside, and move on. First thought that comes to my mind every time I hear him say that is, yeah, and look where that got you. Spoiler alert, that's in reference to, among other things, that happened to this character throughout the series. Doc's inability to deal with the aftermath of September 11, uh, which I won't go on to the next part of that, because that's a big spoiler into what happens with Doc. Um, The fact that he put it inside and moved on was his downfall. Am I the only one who thinks this? I think that's a great point, Dora, and I think really we see in this episode kind of the fall of Doc. This is another nail in the coffin of the fall of Doc, is this episode. So, um, I mean, that's a very good point that he raises it. Doc's that one who says, put it all inside of you, but we obviously know what ultimately happens to him. He's, yeah. He's very yeah. much connected to what happens post-September 11. I think that's, you know, that's funny that he said that. Not in a bad way. I mean, that's, I love that, I love that connection because it's true. I mean, he, I think that's what it comes down to is that he did put it all inside of him and Maybe that's why Doc's character was, like, the one that had, like, the main, one of the biggest uh, character arcs, I guess you could say. Yeah. Later on, you know, without spoiling too much. And so, that's an interesting point. Yeah, yeah. I, I was very fascinated by I that. Love that. Yeah, definitely. And one that I wish we had have come up with, because now, you know, uh, but <laughs> Dorville, that's why we want to get Dorville on the show. Yes. Right? <laughs> great things like that. But, I mean, it's interesting. We've talked so much about, sort of, this fall of Doc. And, again, this is a real fall of Doc episode. Um, and he's just such a tragic character in the world of television. Um, so, oh, oh, yeah. I mean, not relate in a bad way. It's just, he's so relatable, though. Yeah, and the, thing <laughs> too, the thing, too, which I'll say about looking into this episode and looking into the next episode with um, Doc and Carlos, um, we talk so much about their relationship and how kind of it parallels to the Sully and Davis one, whereas, you know, Sully and Davis just go from strength to strength where and they just get closer and closer, whereas... Doc and Carlos is always hit and miss, and kind of just as soon as they get their relationship up to a, a point where you think, oh, they're finally bonding, they're finally close, which I think is this episode. You get a real sense that these two are really close and they're really good. Yeah. We get yeah. next episode, not jumping ahead, obviously, where it clearly goes to shit again. So <laughs> no, no. it's just oh, it's just so unique, this pairing of those two. I love it. So, I love it, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh... It's interesting. I mean, but then I love again. I we talk about this sometimes. I love the ending though as well, like with Doc and Carlos and how their friendship kind of. I love the what they leave it at. Completely agree. When, you know, so. completely agree. Uh, well, we should really get into this episode. Uh, we have the dreaded tonight on Third Watch. I thought they got rid of this crap, but no, <laughs> we brought it back. God damn it! I thought this was done and dusted a few episodes ago, but no, we've got tonight on Third Watch. Really? Really? Why do we need to see this shit? I will say... Only for you, Ben. Only only, for you. Only for me. Only for me. I will say, though, uh, this is probably the least spoilery of the Tonight on Third Watch. All we basically get from this is that there's going to be a confrontation between Candyman and Davis 
that Jokus is meeting somebody with her son's same name. And I'm going to get to that point. I think there's something yeah. there. Um, yeah. And what else are we shown in the Tonight and Thursday? Oh, the, the, um, the da- Doc's dad. Doc's dad. That's um, what I was thinking there. Uh, but, yeah, not the most spoilerific of the Tonight on Third Watch. But uh, still, like, I, this has got to be it, right, Brandy? Surely this is the last one we get. I don't want to disappoint you. So you don't? Oh, God, don't, don't tease me. I, I'm hoping so, because it is annoying. <laughs> I actually find myself skipping through it now. <laughs> just because it's so... Because they go, like, previously and then tonight, and it's like... And then you got the theme song, which I don't mind, but it's just like, yeah. really? It's just, it's really? just so... Ugh. Too much. Definitely not in the next episode, I can tell you that. Um, but we, <sighs> we start off um, Yokus uh, at home, at home with Yokus. And poor little Charlie is vomited everywhere. Um, <laughs> poor little Yogi. Uh, I do like it when she goes to put him in the washing machine. He'll drown! Can I, I just, love it. Can I just say I was like that when I was a little boy. My, I had a teddy bear called Edward, and every time my mum would want to wash him in the, you know, the washing machine, oh, no, he'll drown! Um, so, but I, I do like the, the effects. The, the, the effects they go with this bear. You see poor old Yogi in the sink with vomit on it. It's like, <laughs> cool. Um, and then I also love the fact that Yokus is sending her sick son off to school, no matter what. Um, <laughs> obviously, he's not that sick. And you got to love dear old Fred in the bathroom. And Yogi's like, come on, Fred, I'm going to use the bathroom. He walks out, obviously taking a massive dump. He's like, I'd give it a few minutes if I was you. And she's like, oh, you could have opened a window. <laughs> it's such still- a pointless scene. I love it. <laughs> I do love it. I found it hilarious. I mean, it was definitely a mom scene. I love it because I can relate to it. My son's still the same with his stuff animals. So it was definitely a cute little scene to start off the episode. Yeah, for sure. We get a few kind of little filler scenes here, which we can obviously probably don't really need to talk too much about, but we'll skip over it. Uh, Bobby and Kim. I mean, let's be honest. Bobby and Kim are nowhere in this episode. This is a completely non-existent Bobby and Kim episode. Um, we get a little bit of them here, and obviously Bobby's played racquetball with Trevor. Um, and what does Kim say? Oh, you didn't wear a face guard because, um, you know, she's a girl. The one thing I will say about Bobby and Kim again in this scene is, uh, once again, uh, they're clearly fine. They're back to being besties. You know, Bobby's yep. little heart's been mended after all these years <laughs> pining over dear old Kim. Uh, she stabs him in the heart, but uh, she, he's found Trevor. So, who we never see. Can I just point that out? Do we ever get to see her outside of the initial beating in the bar scene? I don't think we do. I don't think so, because I was... Well, there's a scene where Bos- we see Bosco's girlfriend, right? Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, how come we don't... And Bobby's like, woo! And I'm like, Where's- what about Trevor? <laughs> like, why don't we yeah, see I- her? I don't think we see her ever again. Like, And I don't even know if it's referenced that they break up. I mean, spoiler alert. That, I mean, they could be together, but I'm pretty sure he hooks up with at least some girl. Does he? Can't this remember. With Bobby. Bobby just... As we, I think we mentioned a couple of episodes ago. Bobby's really non-existent from this point on in Third Watch. So... Is it Bobby's the base, but let's be honest, Bobby becomes a new Jimmy from this point. <laughs> like, like Jimmy, I think, gets more storylines moving forward now than Bobby does. <laughs> um, no, it's true, because I was thinking, I was like, was he with Trevor, like, throughout the whole, like, the whole time he was in the series? I or don't think you find, like, there's no closure with Trevor. I, I'm, I'm pretty certain there isn't. There's probably a Third Watch fan going, no, but they explained it in this scene. Um, but, I mean, having said that, I no, well, he obviously does get with someone else, because he gets with Alex in the next season. So, obviously, he doesn't get with Trevor. Yeah. 
Okay. So, yeah. yeah, okay, spoiler alert, if you didn't want to know this new character that's about to come in next season, they get together. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, okay. But, yeah, no, Trevor's basically... We've got to find something to talk about Bobby and Kim in this episode because there's really nothing to talk about them in this episode except maybe for the last sequence with um, Kim playing I, basketball. They're but, friends again. I, I noticed that, so that yeah. was... That's- <laughs> yeah, they've moved, they've, he's moved on. Uh, Candyman's back. Uh, we see them in roll call at the cop station. And we, we're obviously hearing a little bit about this uh, basketball game. Uh, Bobby was talking a little bit about it. Um, and then, of course, uh, all the cops are talking about it. So they have this annual basketball game called the Camelot Cup, where obviously the firefighters and the basketballers, uh, the firefighters and the police officers play a game of basketball every year for the Camelot Cup. The firefighters, the bucket boys, as they're referred to a lot, uh, have obviously won it the last couple of years. And um, the assumption is now that the cops are going to do well because Davis will play well. And I'm assuming that's what? Because he's a tall African-American guy and all African-Americans are good at basketball. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Which I do, I do like how they play that in this episode. I do too. And I'll, yeah, I'll Davis, Davis even says, I'm not very good. Um, the one thing I've got to question with this is like, Candy's back because he says, oh, I couldn't quite get my disability pension. Now, we saw him get pretty well shot up in that leg. Right. Um, with, with that, what was it, an AK-47 or whatever. Now, let's go back all the way to episode one when Jerry Watt takes two rounds to the chest. Um, now, look, again, I'm no doctor. I say that a lot now, Nip Tuck episodes. But, I mean, like, is Jerry really that worse off than Candy? I mean, Jerry, we see him later on in a season, and he seems to be fine to me. Uh, I know he's working a different job at that point, but... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, how, do, do the F, does FDNY and NYPD differ in their uh, disability pensions? I, I don't know. I I think you're on to something because, again, it was his leg that got shot up to- completely. I think it was an AK or Tech 9. I'm not, I can't remember. Well, he's walking but, fine. I guess he runs in this episode, so. <laughs> yeah, that's the word. But you would think he'd have a limp or something the way he got shot up. Like, he's done for it. But, hey. He came back. He's Candyman. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we need some closure with the Candyman story, which I've got some questions about, though, at the end of this one episode. I mean, do we really get full closure with it? But anyway, uh, this is the last episode we'll see Candyman, people, so don't get excited to think that there's going to be more <laughs> Candyman. Yeah, we don't see Candyman again from this point. He's done. Um, we kind of get this rescue sequence. Now, I think we can kind of lump all of this together because this has no overbearing element to the entire episode. It's just there for, you know, I guess your, your general, oh, we've got to rescue someone. Let's add a bit of drama to the... the episode scene so obviously kim and bobby get called out to a factory as does jimmy and the firefighters we've got a man who's gotten his legs stuck in some sort of machinery and the whole dramatic sequence of this of course is that they've got a he's losing too much blood they look like they're going to have to amputate the legs so they've got to call in the um emergency surgeon uh meanwhile though jimmy and the firefighters oh we can do it we can you know give us five more minutes we can definitely do this um, and we obviously get uh, the surgeon show up and essentially say, like, oh, by the time I get my tools out, if you're not done, I'm chopping his leg off. His wife shows up and she's all hysterical. And, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I have nothing against this. I think this is, you know, a fine scene of rescue. It's, it's very tense. It's dramatic. You know, will can they get him out before his leg gets chopped off? I mean, his leg's probably that severely damaged in that machine that it's probably going to have to get chopped off eventually anyway. But, I mean, what I... Yeah, what what I like about this though is I like the Jimmy Jimmy versus Bobby confrontation is back. Uh, it's sort of like this, you know, yelling at each other in the field. Um, I also his wife, the the guy who's got his leg stuck in the machine. God, she looks like an ex girlfriend of mine. Uh, I just was like staring, going, "Holy crap!" Um, and 
yeah, I think it's it's a good tense scene, and it kind of introduced me to the, the thought that yeah, you I guess you'd have to have an emergency surgeon, wouldn't you? Like somebody's got to go out there in the field because, I mean, Kim and Bobby wouldn't have the uh, appropriate knowledge how to properly chop off a leg, so. Um, yeah, I think this kind of introduced me to the idea. But, I mean, I think we can lump all that. I don't know if you've got much to add on that. I mean, this, this is really kind of the opening of this episode's dramatic scene, and we don't really have a whole lot more with Jimmy or Bobby and Kim from this point, do we? Not really. I mean, it was a good scene. I, It was cool to see, the, like you said, a confrontation between Bobby and Jimmy, but you also can realize that Jimmy at the end, because we, we, don't, we, we don't get closer with the guy, I don't believe. So we don't... Do we know if he makes... I don't um, think... Do we Here. get a scene uh, where Morales and... I think this is... Is this not one of those scenes where randomly Doc and Morales are in the hospital and Doc will just put in a throwaway line of, oh, did he make it? Or no, it wouldn't be Doc because Doc wasn't there. Um, no, I don't think like, we do, we, no. Okay, yeah. Okay, well, I know Jimmy was kind of like, holy crap, I hope I didn't mess up and make the wrong decision. But that's pretty much it. Um, on that scene, there's not much yeah, to it. I mean, it's 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 tense. Like it's, it's well done, and it's, it's like yeah, it's yeah. effects look great. I think you know when you obviously you're getting network television blood and gore. I think we you know get an appropriate amount with that leg, and yeah, I think it's very well done. But I mean, there's not a whole lot there that you can really sort of add to that. Um, obviously, though, while like, this is going on, we get um, Bosco and Yokus in the car. Uh, we're talking a little bit about uh, Nicole and Bosco's immune system and everything along those lines and heading up to the Camelot Cup. And <laughs> I love just Bosco turns around to Yoko's. You've got something in your hair. Damn it, it's puke! <laughs> <laughs> How have I come to this point in my life where basically I can walk around all day and nobody tells me I've got puke in my hair? <laughs> so funny. Just random oh, yeah. Bosco, Yoko's gold. And when he's, like, talking about... She's talking about the fact, oh, we walk out the door and Mount of Vesuvius erupts again. And what does Bosco say? Oh, I can't wait to have kids. <laughs> I just... <laughs> and just, I like how he's still eating a donut. Like, yeah. he sees just... There's puke in her hair and he's just eating his donut. <laughs> like, he's not even phased by it. <laughs> I just... I just love... It's just... It's so natural between Jason Wiles and Molly Price. Just the way they... Again, like... I'm sure this is scripted, but I swear there's got to be some of this is just ad-libbed. It's just so natural the way they're back and forth with each other. Um, think- it's just so well done. But, yeah, it's just... You just believe that these two are partners, don't you? That these are, like, actual partners in, in the NYPD. You do. You do. I mean, there are times I got to remind myself, like, wait, in reality, there is no faith in Bosco in reality. Don't spoil it for the- me. <laughs> I know. I know. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> but, yeah. no, it's... I love it though. I mean, wow. It's yeah, it's it's great. Uh we obviously sort of then we see them go to um Nicole's place of work. She works and owns a pretty upmarket fashion store where Bosco's gonna get some uh freebies and um obviously Yokus will get a few there too. She has no use for a cocktail dress, but there's some other clothes there. Uh I do just like random little bits here. This seems to be the episode where apparently uh, body armor is a bit of a turn-on for people in New York City. I don't know if it's a turn-on for you, Brandy. I've never really thought about it, but uh, we get this scene with Nicole of, you've got your armor on, mmm. And then later on, we obviously get a, oh, I've never hugged someone with a bulletproof vest on before. Um, it's kind of like, is this a thing? Is this something that I don't know about, that bulletproof vests are like a kink? I don't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I mean, everyone, ha- but it is Nicole. I mean, she's so into buff. I mean, so it means her, but... I'm sure there's people like Nicole out there. I'm pretty sure. I mean, there's 
there's those freaky bedroom people. You see these scenes all the time on TV. I never met somebody like that. I don't think I want to know someone like that. But <laughs> yeah, I, mean. I love how you describe it. Those freaky bedroom people. <laughs> I don't know no, our freaky bedroom people listening. No, I do. I like. Um, yeah, the, the, just just even Yoko's reaction. She's like, "Oh no, no, it's fine." And then what's Nicole like? What are you a six? And she's like, "I'm an eight. And just like the way she says it. Yeah, um, no. <laughs> we get we get random little um, Carlos and Doc scene before we get to this screwdriver uh, bit though. I do love the way that um, that Carlos is like, "I've been practicing my threes. I can't wait to smoke Boscarelli." Uh, and there's a there's a, oh, there's an amazing scene in this episode with uh, Carlos and Bosco because really we haven't um, had any Carlos Bosco at this point and it's, it's a very limited little connection that we'll ever get between these two across the series yep. given a couple of exceptions but probably my two favorite characters and just every time they interact is fantastic. And I just love the fact that Carlos is just like, oh, I can't wait to smoke Boscarelli. Um, <laughs> but then we, we meet random Texan guy. I'm going to guess he's Texan. Uh, with a screwdriver in his head. I know everybody mentioned this. But he's like, oh, I got really drunk last night and I got myself a headache. And then it's like, well, there's a screwdriver in, in your head. Oh, uh, yes, sir, I know. <laughs> the way he's like oh i can turn it no that always makes me cringe i'm like oh, oh I, yes every time <laughs> i mean this is like I, I this one not specifically but there have clearly been these cases that have been documented where people like i remember there was a famous one somebody got like they had a headache and they didn't know and then they found they had like a knife embedded in their brain yes! like they'd been stabbed <laughs> um like this is pretty like how the hell that, that missed every part of his brain and he's just still upright? I mean, I just love random Texan cowboy guy with cow, with um with screwdriver in his head. I think what's even more cringy for me is like just there's people out there that would actually like turn it. Yeah. Like I I think I think I've met people like that in high school. Like you just we all know those guys who just don't really think. <laughs> I can just see somebody just like having something like in the head, just like I can turn it, you know. Definitely. It's, Oh, uh, that's cringy. That's just cringy. Yeah, well, me. I mean, I'm just going to jump ahead with this one uh, because I know there's a bit, obviously, in between hand here. But sure. um, just they take him to the hospital, and when he's been wheeled there, and Morales sees him, and he does it again. He turns it, and then that time he kind of, like, <laughs> passes out slightly, doesn't he? Um, which, yeah, it's it's fantastic. And, and just from that bit, uh, I mean, we're going to just... Ju- we're going to jump back here to jump forward, if that makes sense. Spring back, uh, <laughs> spring forward, and we're going to get to the next episode. But uh, while they're at the hospital, they get another call, uh, Doc and Carlos, this is after they've dropped off stupid cowboy head, man. Uh, they've been requested to an address, and we find out that's going to be Doc's dad's place, which uh, we'll get to in just a second. But um, jumping back, obviously, between those scenes, uh, we've got Davis and Sully... Driving around, we get a bit of conversation uh, where Sally's like, oh, I've seen you play when I was 12. Uh, so this is basically Davis saying, I'm not very good at basketball, but no one's listening to him. Um, <laughs> but then we get this sequence where they, they see, obviously, what, a pimp called Red, uh, who's beaten up one of his girls. Uh, yeah. So it's, we get a nice little foot chase here. Great music, can I just say. Um, and then we see Candy show up. Who is it? Red! And then they're all this epic chase sequence. Uh, they 
get him into an alley. I mean, if we've got any questions about Candy's ability, as we said before, he's running at this point, so clearly didn't need this ability. Um, and so Candy's trying to pin him down, get into a bit of a fight. Everyone else backs him up. I love, I love the sequence how they're all like on top of this guy, this red guy, and just all the people in the buildings are just watching on. They just, they don't give a shit. They're just like, oh yeah, cool. You know, obviously it's one of those neighborhoods, I guess, where this sort of stuff happens all the time. And one, one thing I noticed too, like, like, Obviously, Davis and Bosco, I mean, more so, Bosco's very gung-ho. He's going to get out and run after everyone. Davis, you know, he's obviously a good runner. Um, but, like, Yokes and Sully are always relegated, aren't they, to the driver? <laughs> like, Sully, they like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess kind of you need that in a partnership. And, I mean, look, no disrespect to Sully. He's a bigger man, so that makes sense. But, like, we do... There is an episode, in Season 2 at least, where kind of Yokes, uh, him, her and Bosco are having a bit of a joke around about who's faster. And um, Yokus beats Bosco from memory, does she not? Oh no, she doesn't. But like, she's still she's still a decent runner. But I guess you can't leave the car there. So I just noticed that. But um, obviously, though, throughout this, they all get red, pin him up against the wall, get ready to arrest him, and he uh, turns around and says, "I had two G in my pocket." He took it, basically accusing Candyman of stealing money from him. And of course, we know about Candyman that he obviously accepts bribes in the past. So, Candy, I love Candyman's line, though. He says, son of a bitch, slap me in my nose. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, basically, Candyman's like, what, when did I take it? When you were, like, punching me or when I was on the ground? And no one's listening to Red. Everybody's kind of walking off. And, of course, Davis is like, well, aren't we going to search him for the money? I do love, like, this is where angry Jason Wiles Bosco comes into play. I love that sequence when he's like, what money? What money? Yeah. Davis, yeah. what money? Just the way he just looks. And then um, he turns to Sully, and he's like, Sully? And David, and he's just like, Davis, let's go. So it's, um, yeah, very dramatic, obviously setting us up for a little bit of uh, Candyman conflict. Uh, do you think he took the money, Brandy? I think so, but <laughs> I don't know. What about you? I think he did. I mean, it's Candyman. I mean, he's, I, I think we kind of got the hint of how he's kind of that kind of cop. Yeah. I mean, even Sully hinted at Davis, like, in the first t- the first time he met him, like, hey, he's not the kind of cop you're used to. He's not yeah. like me. Me and him are different. And so I think he did, but, I mean... I, I don't, like, I think it's it's a tricky one, because it's obviously this one where you've got to think, well, we as you said, we know who Candyman is, and we obviously get that great little scene between him and Davis in this episode, the, the first one where they're kind of on the street, not the basketball one. Um, but it's... I think this is meant to be one of those open-end ones where you don't know because I think realistically yeah. he didn't because uh, the whole complaint gets dropped. Um, so I think kind of it is like Candyman knows that neighbourhood so therefore the people in that neighbourhood no doubt will know what type of copy is because clearly we've seen it in the past when people have bribed him. So to me it's more of Red knows Candyman, Red saying this to stir the pot to try and be like, hey, you know, get stuffed, he stole money. So, I mean, my personal opinion, if I had to choose one, is that he didn't, just because I think kind of when Candyman's like, well, when did I take it? When I'm on top of you or when you're punching? Because, like, we really kind of see that almost in real time. We don't really see a point where he could have taken the money. But, again, given that it's Candyman, it's the whole moral, like moral dilemma around that. Yeah, no, I like your point. I mean, again, it leaves it <clears throat> open-ended, you know, because, you know, realistically, I thought when, like, when the complaint was dropped, Maybe perhaps it was dropped because Candyman maybe threatened or something happened. I mean, we never know. Like it, but I mean, I like your side too. So I mean, it's interesting. I don't yeah, know. It's, I think it's deliberately left open. It's not one of these ones that you put down yeah. to a plot hole or anything like that. Because <laughs> I think 
it's it's it is one of these you know tropes of tv show where it's like well you never really get closure on it fully um i mean i kind of get to that in the next episode which i think is more of an issue but um yeah Can anyway. I, just, I will just say with this scenario i like how it comes back in a later season with a new character uh Nia Long plays her, as you know. I don't want to... Oh, know right, her. right, with, like, the IAB yeah. connection, it's just right. kind of, you know, and I think it's interesting, like, how this kind of scenario comes back later on. It doesn't mm-hmm. come back soon, but it, it did remind me of that. Well, scenario. the one... I think what your point... Yeah, absolutely, actually. That's, um... Which... Uh, the scene which I think the story... Which I'll get to that, because it's the confrontation. It's that little story that is told, isn't it? About yes. that cat. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've written that down. That's, that's very good foreshadowing that they do, and I... Again, like, we're kind of giving Third Watch a bit of credit here for foreshadowing. I don't think they did it deliberately because I think Third Watch is definitely a show that, um, you know, it's, it's got some issues with continuity. So I don't think this is ever something they planned on doing. But um, when we get to that scene and we obviously go over that story, we'll kind of foreshadow a little bit, which is uh, season five if, or six. Season six it would be, actually. Uh, I will correct myself. Um, anyway, so we'll get back to that. But uh, Doc's uh, at his dad's apartment. Uh, he's having cardiac arrest, is he not? Uh, well, he's having some medical issue. Um, again, I'm not a doctor. Uh, and he's he's struggling. The reason why these other paramedics, we've got random paramedics have called Doc and Carlos is because he's refusing, he's ripping out the IV, he's refusing to go to the hospital. Uh, he wants to die in his apartment. Um, he's lived there for 51 years. Um, that line when he says, 51 years, you were, your mother and I, your mother and I, that's right, slept in the same bed, um, and obviously Doc drags him into, uh, the hospital, um, so, obviously, I'm just skipping you through my notes, because obviously we've gone all over the rescue scene, haven't we? Um, so, yeah, we've, we're back in the hospital with Doc's dad, and basically Morales is kind of saying, well, look, you know, is this really what we should be doing at his age and everything, and of course Doc's, you know, no, do everything you can to save him, um, which obviously goes against everything that we know Doc's dad want, but there's no written meal, a uh, written wheel, written meal, um, <laughs> and basically just goes off at Morales and says, just do it. Um, so, look, it's it's kind of this, again, moral dilemma, you know, we can understand Doc's point of view here, because uh, realistically, Doc has no one at this point, as we're going to find out a little bit more in this episode with him and Morales. So, I mean, you got to understand Doc's point of view at some point, as much as it's selfish, because obviously his dad doesn't want to live, but... You know, Doc's got a bit of a right to be selfish. He's lost his wife, he's lost his mother. I mean, he's lost everyone up until this point, and his dad's really it. You're going to hold on. And, like, during that moment, your your emotions, he's not a paramedic, he's his son. Your emotions are override your logic. And at this point, yeah, that's his dad. Like you said, the only person he has. I mean, yeah. I I think this this, this scenario was done very well, to be honest. And I like how they tied in, like, Morales and Doc's relationship a little bit even more to see how like how serious it might be, and so I thought it was done well. Which we'll get agree. To. We'll yeah. get to. Uh, random little scene uh, back with Davis and Sally. Davis obviously, you know, what do you think? Uh, questioning it, and obviously Sally's basically saying like the guy's never had that amount of money in his life. Um, should have searched him, and like, oh, what? We're going to search a cop in front of everybody, and Sally's basically like, well, look, did you see anything? This is where you back up your fellow cop. Um, so you know. And see both points of the argument there, I think. Um, and then, obviously, Davis says, like, what if they ask about what he's done in the past? And Sally's like, well, they won't. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. We'll obviously get a little bit to that soon. Back with Carlos uh, here with Doc. 
Um, and Doc basically says, you don't think I'm doing the right thing to you. And what does Carlos say? Like, well, he's not my dad. Um, and, yeah, this is a nice little scene with Doc and Carlos because, um, obviously, I think what Morales comes in and talks about his insurance card. So he needs to go back to his apartment to get the, the wallet. And Carlos offers to go with him. Doc's kind of like, well, no, you need to go back and re- get reassigned. And Carlos is like, oh, that's going to take like half an hour. In the meantime, I can come with you. And he kind of, there's that nice little scene where he puts his arm on Doc's shoulder. And it's kind of like, oh, this is nice. Like, this is Doc and Carlos bonding. Like, you know, they get along. They like each other at this point. Sadly, the next episode is going to change that a little bit. But, um. <laughs> I do like this scene. I like even yeah. like where Carlos kind of nods at Morales. Like, I got him. Like, I don't know if you noticed that, like, little Naughty, like, Gabe, like, I'll, yeah. I'll look out, like, I'll look out, I'll look after him, you know? And so I thought that was pretty, pretty awesome, you know, that Carlos also moved on from talking her being together, and it's, yeah. you see a brothership right now. Completely agree, completely agree. Um, sad about the next episode then. <laughs> then, uh, we'll get back to there, but obviously we get back to Bosco and Yokus here, they've been called to an accident, uh, what is it, like a taxi and a limo or something like that, but... We meet uh, a former flame of Yokus's from uh, high school, her junior prom date, uh, called Charlie. Now, can we just not bring up the elephant in the room here, Brandy? Um, Yokus has a son called Charlie. So, do you think think that, um, you know, she holds a bit of a candle for him still, that after all these years when, you know, they've given birth to their son, I know, let's call him Charlie. (laughs) Like, and and obviously, Fred would know Charlie because I, they obviously went to high school together. Because we learned that um, Yokus and and Fred met in high school, and you can even see that with Charlie when she when he looks at her name and it's like, oh, Yokus, so you married Fred. So like, would Fred not question that? <laughs> I I thought the same thing. I was it. It was odd to me because it's like you named your kid. Charlie, and I don't know why. I'm surprised Fred. I don't know who knows. Maybe they were like best friends. I don't know. There's a backstory they never went into. Maybe Fred and Charlie were best friends or something. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, it's, it's a very, it's a random plot line, but I think it's kind of, it's interesting. Like, this isn't the last time we will have an episode which has Yokus questioning her love for Fred, if you know what I yeah. mean. I mean, there's a very. Uh, Yokus-centric episode in season two where there's another similar situation where she meets a guy and it's kind of like, oh, don't you do it. Um, but Oh, yeah, I love that episode. <laughs> oh, so do I. God, season two is good. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like, this is a scene I was talking about before when she hugs him. Oh, I've never hugged someone with body armor before. Uh, and then, uh, basically, he invites her to go back to his hotel for a drink. And, you know, Bosco, <laughs> just, I mean, he sells it perfectly. Uh, you know, you've been married for so long, you don't even know when someone's hitting on you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's very, very interesting. And obviously, we'll uh, we'll get that. I, I do like, what does uh, Yoko say to Bosco? Not everything's about sex. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anyway, uh, so we'll, we'll see. Will Yokus go to the hotel room late at night? Ooh, watch this space. Um, meanwhile, Doc is at his father's desk, and we kind of just get this nice little scene between him and Carlos kind of um, going through uh, some history. And uh, I, I just like that line from Doc when he says, you know, I don't know if I ever felt I got to know him. 
and when he said, like, I asked him that question, and he said, I'm your friend, I'm your father, not your friend. I mean, it's a nice little sweet. You feel for Doc here at this point, because, again, he's losing someone else. Um, so, yeah. Uh, then we get um, Davis and Sully driving along. Uh, I do love, uh, what is it, like, Bosco behind them, flashing the lights, and it's like, is that Bosco? Yes, and I love when Sully gets out of the car to Bosco. What? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so basically this is just Bosco informing them that IAB are going to come down and, uh, question them about everything. Um, I, I, I question why Jokas just hangs back at the car. Why is Jokas not involved in this conversation? I don't know. Um, but this of course is David still questioning like, well, so what Candy's going to get a free pass and, you know, he's obviously got the moral dilemma here of like, well, Candy's dirty, so we should report him. But obviously, Bosco and Sully have been out there long enough to know that, well, hey, look, if you go against him, you become a rat, you're going to mm-hmm. be thing. And now this is kind of what you were referring to, of course. We yeah. hear this story about, uh, was it Captain Stevens, who obviously was an asshole in the past. And then in the, the there was a call where he kept screaming out the radio. He was getting attacked. No cop would go after it to help him, and he came back to the station and was like, point taken. So basically, it's kind of this story about how, you know, if you go against the, the bondship and the kinship of the police, that uh, you might not be helped as promptly as you should be in the future, given if you are, a, you know. So basically, he's saying, because David says, are you threatening me? He's basically saying, look, if you go against us here, if you turn in candy and you find yourself in trouble, you might find yourself in trouble by yourself. And it is foreshadowing. You're absolutely right. Um, season six with uh, Nia Long's character, with Munro, uh, without further spoiling this, there is a very similar situation in an episode with her, which, again, we won't go into why, but um, basically she's being attacked and there is a limited response to her being helped. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's like... Kind of going back to what I was saying, I don't think this was a deliberate thing by Third Watch standards. Oh, let's wait five seasons and we'll relive this. Um, but I think it's, it's, it is a very, you know, interesting moment to know what's going to happen in about five seasons' time with the character we don't even know at this point. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and no, I just, uh, I think it's one of those, like, it kind of just shows you, like, because I believe they had, like, police officers and, like, fire real like real police officers and firefighters and paramedics on like this the set to like let them know like how things really are and i think maybe that's one of the cases because i've also like i told you like i wanted to be a police officer right and i've talked to officers and had an interview when i was like young younger and um i've heard stories like this as well and i think it it kind of shows like the bad side of being a police officer like it's not always black and white like if you have a brother that is kind of doing wrong things you can't really go against them it's not that easy because i've heard like how it can also you got to stand against the community, is what they usually say. And if you question your own, then it makes it makes it easier for the community to start questioning you even more. And, yeah. I mean, I was, just different scenarios I heard from, like, different people I've talked to over time. And so, I mean, it was just, it's just cool to note that they kind of kept true to, like, even the bad side of, you know, the officers. And to go back on what you said about Faith Yokis uh, standing by the cop car, I think she... I think she was standing there, and this is what I took from it, that she was standing there because I, I think she's, like, with Davis, but she's also not trying to get into it and i think she kind of mentions that later on but i think that's why yeah yeah. i think she's with davis i just think she's a good point i didn't think about it that way yeah good point yeah it's 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 interesting but it's it's getting very well acted i like the line there from bosco when he's like straighten him out sully and then he just kind of like walks off 
Um, yeah, it's great. Um, we get uh, Bosco and um, and Yokus in the car. Just a random little scene there. We've got those people crossing the road. And what does Yokus say? Like, oh, look at them. They're so in love. They can't even cross the street without making out. And you've got Bosco. Damn, look at those legs. <laughs> um, and I like um, he... What is... Yoka say something about like your idea of um, romance is in a dark alley, yeah. um, and then um, Bosco. I can't remember. I don't even know what the quote he says. But Yoka is like, "What are you quoting Shakespeare?" And he's like, "Penthouse." <laughs> uh, but like, this is kind of Yoka's questioning scene. Like, you know, you know, I'm happy with Fred. You know, we've got great kids. We're we're okay financially. Like, what you know. What's, is it a harm for me to ask for a little bit of romance every now and then? I mean, look, you know, I understand that. I was in a long-term relationship. You kind of just get yourself settled into a routine. It's not necessarily, you know, how it is at the beginning. But, um, you know, it's, again, it's, it's the will-she-won't-she she scenario of, oh, don't do it, Yoko's dear old beloved Fred. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, we'll get to that bit at the end. Um, so... Back to the hospital with Doc and Morales. And we just kind of get this nice little scene um, where, you know, Doc's basically saying about how rigid the routine was with his dad. You know, what did he say? Like 37 years in the same apartment. We sat down for dinner and ate every single night at 6 p.m. Um, you know, and he basically says, like, I always wanted more than what my dad had. But essentially, he had everything. You know, he had a 51-year marriage, family, friends. You know, I'll be lucky to have what half of he does. And... <laughs> You know what the worst part about him hearing this impassionate speech is? Because, you know, this is a part of a TV show where you're like, well, yeah, sure you will, Doc. Like, you know, just wait, wait for this. You'll get all that still. Yeah, he kind of won't. Sorry. Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, Again, the fall of Doc, the tragedy that is Doc, it just makes this scene harder to watch because you just feel so bad knowing what's going to happen to him. You do, you do. I wasn't even thinking about that, but you have a good point. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> but I um, I think it's cool though. I mean, it's cool to talk, see Doc talk about his dreams, and it's cool. I think that was a sweet moment between him and Morales because it kind of, oh, yeah. I think it made her. I don't know. I think those little moments are like where Morales even likes him even more. Like it makes the relationship stronger. Yeah, and completely so, agree. That's, completely agree. That's why. Yeah. Uh, so this bit, I, I really like this next scene here. So Davis and and Sally still having this conversation in the car. Clearly, they're not talking about anything all day. <laughs> so like Davis puts a fairly good point. Like if it was two perps, we would have um, searched one. Um, and then they, they they get out of the car. They're being called something, but there are uh, all of a sudden Candy's there. So Candy has that line. What does he say? Can I have a word with Junior alone? And he's like, you don't have to ask him. And then we just get this great scene between Davis and Candyman, you know, and it's like, you take the money. It's like, well, even if I told you I didn't, you wouldn't believe me. And then just, like, angry Candyman. He's like, you know, so I give him a beating and shake him down and I keep what's mine, you know. And then he brings up his dad again. Davis is basically got nothing to do with my dad. And then he's just like, I'm never going to be like you, Candy. He's like, you give it time, Junior. Give it time. Um, <laughs> it's just great. It's just, I just love this scene. It is. I, um... He was like, give it time, Junior, give it time. I was just like, man, Davis, it just shows you, like, Davis has come so far, but he's still a rookie in, in some ways, you know? And yeah. You forget that sometimes with Davis. Like, I, lately I've noticed, like, I kind of forget that because I feel like he kind of, his character arc, his character arc kind of grows steadily. And yeah. so sometimes you forget that he is the rookie. I mean, at least I do. And so, I mean... That's it's it is it is it's it's very very good point you make there and I just think it's like growth of 
of uh, Davis at this point. And, um, you know, this this whole... Candyman's gone from this point. Um, obviously, we've got another scene with him to come yet. But um, in terms of Davis and kind of these hints about his father's background, not gone. We, we get a whole uh, oh. scenario next season about a lot about his dad's past. And then... Uh, season six, when we finally kind of get the resolution of, of Davis's dad. Um, you know, a few minor plot holes here and there, but I, I think it's really well done in season six when we get this kind of end game to the whole thing. The one thing I will say uh, with, again, we're jumping five seasons in the future here. Uh, I, I would have been great if they had have been found a way to bring Candyman back into season six to basically kind of tie it in with his dad's storyline, if you know what I mean. Um, and even just a, a name drop, you know, even just a little subtle mention. Um, but yeah, we don't, but we'll get to the last bit of candy in this episode. We kind of get a, a sequence here. It's mainly really about Doc and his dad and Morales here at this point. Um, Morales leaves kind of leaving Doc watching over his dad, but then, you know, she's like, I don't want to go home. Why are you shutting me out? And Doc's kind of like, well, look, this isn't really the time for this. Um, and then basically Doc kind of snaps and, is obviously worried and afraid because what is his line there? One minute Deborah was there, the next she was dead. Uh, you know, I can't help it, I'm afraid. It's, it's a nice little scene, sweet. You feel really bad for Doc and Morales, obviously, just the way she kind of is is reacting to this one. Um, then we see the doctor, and basically we find out that there's no more options left for his dad. He's not a candidate for surgery and um, or a candidate for some program, uh, but he can have surgery. Uh, but it's probably not the best idea. Doc basically saying, oh, look, I just can't do it. I just can't let him go. And then we kind of get this sweet little story, you know, closest he ever got, a couple of years ago on 4th of July. His mum was alive, Deborah, his dad. It was a great day. And can I just say, that brought the feels to me. That was like, oh, gee, yeah, I know exactly what you're feeling there. Um, but then Morales kind of sweeps in there with a nice little line, like, you'll have more great you know, days in the future. You're going to have new days. You've got to have faith of this. And, you know, I hope that you might have these with me, um, which is just sweet. Obviously, you know, these two. Because I don't think they've said I love you to each other yet, have they? Or not that we know of, but... Oh, they... I thought... They're about to move in with each other next episode, so clearly they've got to be in love. (laughs) I don't actually think that's ever a thing that is mentioned. Um, So we've just (laughs) got to assume that they are in love. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so it's sweet, but um, yeah, essentially we are going to, yeah, it leads up a little bit to him saying, well, how am I going to do this um, and everything. So yeah, it's just this whole scene's basically leading up to the point that he's going to have to let his dad go. Oh man, it's definitely a touching scene. I mean, honestly, kind of wanted. Kind of wanted more out of this this bond. I just it, I think it's just a very sweet relationship between the two of them. But yeah, he does. It's unfortunately it's not really a happy ending. No. I mean, sadly, so we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, we're back in the police station. We've got Bosco shooting hoops and his line, which I opened up this episode with. Of course, you know I'm so hot tonight. I amaze myself. Um, and I, I like it when um, Yokus is on the phone and, uh, you know, obviously saying to Fred, like, oh, I'll be a bit late tonight. Hmm, wonder why. Um, what is she like? I clumped too loudly for Fred. I've got to take my shoes off. <laughs> um, oh. Then we get IAB guy come in and basically the complaint has been dropped. Um, Davis is there. I, I love the, the fact when Bosco, like, questions and says something and what he just gives a little bit of a quip to him and the guy's just like, I'm just doing my job guy the IAB guy and then um, 
Davis, obviously, he's kind of looking a bit shocked, and then he's all like, you got something to say to me? And he's like, no. Um, I do really like that scene that we get next between, you mentioned it before, Davis and Jokic in the locker room. Um, Davis and Jokic is a pairing that we don't often get. Um, I believe that uh, Davis and Jokic never get partnered as cops. Uh, I know we get Jokic and Sully at one point get partnered together. Um, and, and Bosco and Sully. I don't think even Bosco and Davis are partnered at any point. So Davis kind of only gets partnered with um, Josh, of course, Finney, in the last season. So Oh, and, and, and Monroe, of course. So Davis yeah. never gets to ride with Bosco or Jokic, which is a bit weird to think about that. Uh, but I, I do like Davis and Jokic here. Um, she kind of say, Jokic, Molly Price does look great in that outfit. Um, she looks really, really good. Um, but yeah, we kind of get this nice little um, scene where, what does Yoko say? Know your job, do your job. You've got to mix in some, if you mix in human nature, it gets a little bit muddy. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of the, the moral compass there of Yoko's, isn't it? To kind of try and make Davis feel a little bit better at this point? I think so. I mean, even though Davis, he wasn't satisfied with that answer, I mean, I think it was basically the moral compass of it and one of those, you just kind of leave it hanging in the air, like you said. This one doesn't get closed out either. This no, but this I mean, it's. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think it's done very well, though. It how is. they do it. And again, it's kind of one of these Jokers Davis scenes, which I think fits in really well. Because we obviously had. Um, that was a few episodes ago, wasn't it? Where she was basically like, you put in a bit of Sully, you put in a bit of Bosco, and you put in mainly a bit of yourself. Yeah. That's the type of cop you want to be. Yeah. Not your part. So, that's- yeah, there we go. Great little scene. Now we uh, we find out, oh, you coming to the game tonight? Oh, maybe later. Now, now oh, actually, we'll get to the game in just a second because Jokic now goes to the hotel. Very posh hotel, can I just point out. Oh. Um, she picks up the phone. He answers, but she's like, oh, no, I can't do that. So she hangs up and leaves. And we'll just obviously cover quickly her ending here because I think we can lump in the basketball game and dock towards the end. But uh, we do get another scene uh, afterwards of Jokic going back to her apartment and uh, getting into bed with Fred. She's decided, no, I don't need to see Charlie. I've, I'm satisfied with my own Charlie, uh, Emily, and Fred. And, um, yeah, we get a little bit of intimate Yokus at the end there, wanting to get a little bit of late-night nookie with Fred. So, um, mm. why not? Is this, is this? Do you think this is a scene that um, might lead to a bit of a storyline later on in the next season? Uh, <laughs> Just implying the, uh, you know, what happens when you get intimate sometimes, Brandy, you might find yourself. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, she, was... <laughs> she gets an STD, everybody. Uh, she has a, no. <laughs> um, oh my God. Locus pregnancy, um, which is coming up. So uh, this could be it. This could be the conception of. I, I was like, I don't know if you want to spoil it. I was like, um... Yeah, well, I mean, there was, there was either one direction I was going there. Either she gets, like, chlamydia or she has a baby, so... Um, well, it's like, well, Fred cheated, she got STD, and it just... <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> she got the STD from Charlie. Um, <laughs> so many... Now, um... The basketball... Now, look... I love this basketball sequence. I just want to say this on the record right now. I am so sad this is the only ever time we see this. I wish they would do this, like, maybe not every season, but at least every couple of seasons. Bring this back into it somewhere, because I think this is a fun little gimmick to have. You could imagine that these two 
like, you know, professions that directly opposite each other would do something like this. The Camelot Cup, an annual basketball game to who will win between the NYPD and FDNY. Again, we never find out who wins this game, by the way. But just the sequences of Bitsy leading up to the dramatic ending. Can I just say, I fucking love this bit. Carlos, first of all, straight away, he's actually quite good at basketball, Carlos. Um, but all the little shit that they rip into Bosco from calling him little fella, Stuart little, uh, uh, I just love it. I just love all the shit they're giving in to Bosco. I love random Kim who's like ready to play and all the sexist guys who are basically like, well, you can't play. And she's like, well, fuck you. Of course I can play. Um, you know, looking great with no shirt on before putting a shirt on back. Um, they we get the revelation that Davis really is bad at basketball because he misses one shot. Um, and I and I love. Then we get Nicole and Maurice go. Maurice, I'm just saying that. Bosco goes up to Nicole, starts making out. One of my favourite scenes in all of the watch is just random Carlos sticking his head up to Bosco. Let's go, Maurice. <laughs> <laughs> that never gets. Oh, God. And the way she rips his pants off. <laughs> I know, right? Oh. oh it's so good. What's, what is the line that Bosco says at one point to Nicole? Like, God, I wish you were around in high school. I would have been so popular. Um, <laughs> I do like it how, like, yeah, Bobby and Jimmy are, like, watching him, like, make out with her. Like, going, holy shit, how does he get her? Um, but, I mean, between all the fun scenes, like, Jimmy rocks up with the cup, pulls it out of the little bag. It's an ugly-looking trophy, let's be honest. Um, but, yeah, obviously we get this dramatic ending to this basketball game. Uh, Candyman and Davis. And what does Davis say? Like, I'll be watching you. And then um, uh, Candyman basically shirt fronts him, knocks him down to the ground, and they get a little bit, you know, heated, and they look like they're going to go, oh, break it up, break it up, as they, you know, try and get a little bit physical. Um, where it goes from there, we don't know because we don't see it. Like, do they still continue to play on the same team? I mean, does Davis or Candyman walk off in a half? I don't know, but that's the end of Candyman, basically. We never see him again from this point. No, I mean, did Davis say, like, come on, bitch? Or I thought he said, come on. Like, yeah, I think he did. I think he did say, come on, bitch. Yeah. I was like, holy crap. All right, Davis. I mean, it was kind of interesting to see Davis try to get in a fight with Candyman. Who would have won? I don't know, but. Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was interested, like, who would have won that fight? I mean, Candyman, I mean, he seemed like he got it, but Davis is young. I mean, who knows? (laughs) I mean, come on. Let's be honest here with this. Um, You know, Candyman got slapped earlier on in this episode. He's bitching and moaning about it. Damn fool, slap me in my nose. Like, I mean, come on now. Davis isn't going to worry about that sort of shit. And let's be honest, you just find Candyman's wound on his leg and press that. It's going to hurt still. So, you know, play a little bit dirty, you win. There you go. There you go. Simple. I'll never fight you, Ben. I'm kidding. (laughs) Well, I mean, um, you you would beat me. Um, I mean, everyone can beat me. Yokus um, so, <laughs> is Charlie, as in her son could beat me. Um, but the, the last scene in this episode, um, Doc goes into his dad's room, uh, gives his dad a kiss, shares a little bit of a moment, uh, and, yeah, his dad dies. He, after his dad wakes up briefly and smiles at him and then dies. So, yeah, it's a it's a sad way to end it. Um, and here we go. Poor old Doc once again has lost someone, and uh, Doc's on the sad path to the destruction of Doc, essentially. <sighs> and see, seeks redemption. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, I just had to put that in there. The following oh. sequences are just Doc fighting whatever heart <laughs> disease he has, you know. No, I mean, it was a sweet moment. I love the little... Uh, 
where you see his dad and he gives him a little kiss. Like, you don't see that bond between men, like, really. And so I think maybe that's that's why I was saying, like, maybe that's why I was called men. But maybe. And I also think, like, your perspective also could be correct as well. I mean, who knows? Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's not much to touch on. I mean, it was a sweet scene and Doc lost his dad. The, the, yeah. We Man. knew him so well. He was in three episodes. Um, so, was he three episodes or two episodes? Two, I believe. Two, yeah. Anyway. Um, so, no, I think it was three. Was it? I think it was three. Um, but anyway, so that's it. That's uh, episode 18, entitled Men. Uh, we'll get into our rating system now, of course. Uh, Brandy, what are you going to do with this? Are you going to buy it, you're going to rent it, or are you going to bin it? I'll rent it. you rent it? Oh, three in a row for the renting machine. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it's a good storyline. I love it the plot i think it was sweet but i mean i'm a sucker for like heartfelt like storylines that like have like a deep message i mean this was a heartfelt one but it was just also like like you mentioned earlier like this is kind of like just characters like they focus on one character after another character i like those i really love episodes like where like they're all kind of like intertwined and this one was it was sweet but i'll definitely rent it i mean i won't i've never been it <laughs> it's a, it's well, a sweet I'm going to buy it. I, I really enjoyed lots of this episode. I love the basketball stuff at the end and just the random little uh, sequences there. I think it's very, you know, emotional with the Doc and his dad stuff. And, uh, you know, even the Candyman stuff, it's very well acted. And I just think it's overall, it's a great episode. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy it, which I'm just looking here at my list. Since I binned Demolition Derby, I've actually bought every single episode with the exception of Officer Involved. So I've basically currently now on a seven out of the last eight episodes I've bought. So, <laughs> and you, you've rented the last three, so there you go. We're, we're differing slightly there, but we're going to be moving now into episode 19. It's called Spring Forward Fallback. Um, another interesting episode, of course. We've uh, got some Bosco and Nicole stuff. We've got some, um, a bit more Kim stuff around this time around. A lot of her feelings as a mother. We've got a interesting episode in terms of uh, a bit of a search for a missing child. We get Angry Sully. Um, which is a very interesting plot line. And keep an eye out for two very well-known faces in this episode. There are two very famous actors who, at the time of this episode, weren't really famous, but they've gone on to become very famous since this episode. I don't know if you picked up on this or you need me to point it out, but, uh, yeah, there's one female, one male in this episode who, again, at the time of this episode, weren't really that well-known, but nowadays they're, they're on the cusp, I'd say A-listers. So uh, big, big names. Uh, stay tuned for that. But, uh, of course, as always, uh, you can get all these episodes directly to your devices. Best way, of course, is subscribing to us via places like iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. No matter what you use, we are there. You can, of course, subscribe to us. Uh, rate us while you're there. Leave us some feedback. We always appreciate that. And, of course, on all on the social media channels, uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Find us on there. Stay up to date with everything. And just like uh, Dorvel did previously, if you've got a question or anything or a comment you want to put in uh, in regards to any of these episodes, feel free to uh, shoot that in through to us, and we will definitely uh, appreciate anything that you give us along the lines. But it's time to leave and head out for another episode. Uh, my name is Ben, and I just removed a screwdriver from my head. And my name is Brandy, and what about the money? Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.